Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Movie Crush. Charles W. Chuck Bryant here at our home studio at Pond City Market, Atlanta, Georgia. And this week, what a treat. I had Dana Gould in the chair across from me. And Dana Gould is, um, well, if you know The Simpsons, then you love Dana Gould because he was a writer on The Simpsons. If you love stand-up comedy, then you probably love Dana Gould because he's one of the best. Uh, he is also the uh, creator and director showrunner and writer of Stand Against Evil, uh, the great IFC television show with my pal Janet Barney. And Janet hooked Dana and I up uh, when he came through town doing some stand-up shows. And I was able to get him in here in the home studio to talk about the original Planet of the Apes movie. Um, obviously not the remake, uh, although we do talk about that a little bit. But uh, Dana knew right away what movie he was going to pick. This is not one of the ones that uh, someone had to deliberate on because he is a super fan of the original and, um, as you will learn, is a collector of items from the movie and uh, has met and uh, befriended some of the people from the original movie and just had a lot of good knowledge about um, the great, great classic uh, movie with Charlton Heston. So I hope you watched it recently because it's a great film. And here we go with Dana Gould on Planet of the Apes. How'd the show go last night? It was good. It was the first show. Uh, it was the first show that I've done since before the holidays. So oh, okay. I felt I was really rusty and crappy. Shaking it off. Yeah, people didn't seem to. Notice. No one ever notices. And I'm trying. You know, they, I have a, <clears throat> I have an album out now. So. Oh, great! I feel like everybody's I, in my own. You know. You don't realize that not everybody has listened and memorized it. So if I have right. anything in the live show that's from the album, I'm like, ah, I'm a hack. Yeah, ah, ah. that whole pressure to come up yeah. with new bits or whatever. But people like, yeah, it's. I mean, it's 
right now it's about 60, 70, 30. And, uh, but also people, <laughs> people don't care. Yeah. We, um, <laughs> people like to hear stuff they like. Stuff You Should Know does, has been doing shows for a few years now. And we had to just get used to doing, cause you know, we just do the podcast and release it and then that's it. Yeah. So we had to get used to just doing the same topic for like six or seven shows. Right. Cause we don't do a new one for each city. Sure. Of course. And we, I had to reckon with, you know, just repeating material and like, Oh, I feel gross. And yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah. no, wait a minute. The yeah. performers it's... do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Try being in a play. <laughs> oh my God. I can't <laughs> yeah. imagine. Have you ever done that? Oh yeah. No. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. No, it's a, it's, it's a different mindset completely. Uh, so where are you from? Uh, well, I grew up in the middle of Massachusetts, okay. uh, and uh, a little, a really small town called Hopedale. Uh-huh. Uh, and the the Hopedale's claims to fame are uh, it 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 was a socialist experiment in the 1800s, mm-hmm. but it was the entire town was built around a loom factory. Oh, wow. and everybody in the town worked at the loom factory. The factory built the houses. Uh, if you needed a light bulb, you'd just go to the factory and get a light bulb. If the, uh-huh. if they thought you weren't taking care of your yard, you'd get called into your supervisor's office and they go, Hey, wow. clean up your yard. Uh, so the factory it, built looms? It, yeah. Okay. Uh, it was called a Draper Corporation. Uh, and, uh, and, the, but the town, the factory built the town and it wow. was a socialist experiment. Mm-hmm. Didn't work. And, uh, How so? Well, I, I think uh, eventually capitalism took over. <laughs> you know, yeah. Capitalism was like kudzu. You can't really thing. keep it up. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, Joe Perry from Aerosmith and me are the – Really? Yeah. Joe Perry's mother was our gym teacher in high school. So you guys know each other? Um, I've, I met him briefly. I know his son. Uh-huh. And uh, but the the really weird thing was uh, when I was married, my wife and I were uh, – my wife's a big showbiz executive and we were leaving a, a – shishi party uh-huh. and as we're leaving steven tyler was walking in right uh and as he walked past me i said uh my brother used to load your amps when you rehearsed at the hopedale community house wow and he went that's a deep gut <laughs> yeah and he went you're from hopedale wow and i said yeah and he goes what are you doing out here and i said same as you i'm in show business uh-huh. and then we just started chatting my wife didn't know that i'd started talking to him so she kept walking she goes i was talking to you and then finally i looked and you were 100 yards back talking to Stephen tyler yeah that's acceptable <laughs> <laughs> but wow, he was he was amazing. he was lovely it could have been nicer that's cool but no <laughs> yeah. joe perry he what they weren't uh, together, uh obviously uh, no he was with his uh, he was with somebody else but uh, i don't know joe's son uh-huh. Yeah, it was a good guy. Okay, I think cool. they're all good guys. Uh-huh. So, yeah. uh, central Massachusetts. Yeah. Very much, you know, it, it's, it's, it's upstate New York. It's, right. it's, you're out in the woods. Uh-huh. It's Trump country. Yeah. Uh, camo, a lot of camo, wow. a lot of gun racks. Uh, it's weird to think of Massachusetts that way, being from Georgia. Cause I just think it's all just a liberal haven. No, see, that's what's so funny. It, it, it's not, you, you know, you get out of Boston mm-hmm. and it, you're anywhere. Yeah. And, as far as racial integration, Boston is one of the least racially integrated yeah. cities in the country. Sure. Atlanta is the most racially integrated city. Atlanta in the gets a bad rap, but I don't know why. It is yeah. the most racially integrated. I mean, you see rednecks with hot black girlfriends. Yeah. <laughs> it's the craziest thing. Like I've always told people, if you want to see like an example of racial harmony, go to a Falcons game. Yeah. Like hardcore rednecks and inner city black folks, yeah, just like hugging each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that's it. Uh, it was really a revelation, and it was it was it was quite uh, uh, it was cheering. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, it, it can work. <laughs> well, because um, Boston, <laughs> good luck. Because you spent uh, 
And of course, we'll uh, have already plugged uh, "Stand Against Evil" yeah, with you. Janet and in the in the pre-show intro, which I'll record later. But yeah. um, you spend a lot of time in it. And hit my podcast. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and the and the album and everything. Sure. Well, yeah, well it's a lot. Just the podcast. You have to overdo it. <laughs> yeah, I like to overdo it. <laughs> okay. Uh, but you spend I a lot stay of time. busy. Six kids. I keep going. Yeah. No kidding. Man. <laughs> it's great. Keep, I keep chugging. Uh, how many weeks have you been in Atlanta the past couple of the years? Well, I'm, you know, I'm down here every summer for two months. Right. Uh, and brutal in the summer. All yeah, apologies. but I'm too busy to notice. Yeah. You know? Uh, the first season we shot in July, mm-hmm. which was excruciating because we are quite literally shooting in a swamp at yeah. the time. A lot of nights and though, too, right? Nights and well, that doesn't help. No, no you're right. <laughs> and it's, like it's only eighty five. Yeah, exactly. And steamy. It's like opening the dishwasher yeah. mid cycle. <laughs> Uh, and we were a lot of the time we we're literally out in a swamp. Like yeah. we can't go down until the snake guy clears it, right? <laughs> Which is never something I thought I would have to deal with. That's pretty cool. And uh, and, and then we uh, the second season uh, we did uh, in June, which is a little easier. Yeah, by and a few degrees, a little bit. Yeah, and then uh, although rain, we got our ass kicked yeah. by rain. And then the the third will be the same. That's great. I have yeah. a few buddies on your crew, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, Molly Coffee. Yeah, it was Molly last night. Oh, awesome. Molly came to the show last she's night. She's the best. She is the greatest and, and a think... genius. Oh, yeah. She's so talented. Yeah, she's a crazy genius. Yeah, they, yeah. people would be working for she her. She saved our enough. ass really? on that show. Yes. I think Mallory Coleman might have worked on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's a good buddy. Yeah. Does Mallory work with Molly in art? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Covered legs, covered in tattoos? That's the one. She was with her last night. Yeah. Mallory's yeah. awesome. Yeah. She uh she worked on the Stuff You Should Know TV show that we did uh years ago that nobody watched. <laughs> well, I I feel you. Yeah. Great ladies. <laughs> no, Stan's doing all right, it seems like. No, Stan does okay. But that's it's great. just like I look at the stuff my kids watch and I'm just like, oh, that's what people are like. Yeah. Dance moms. It's like dance mom every episode have you ever know if you've ever seen Dance Moms? Mm, no. Uh, it's just the worst hum- of human behavior. Uh. It's like I, I would every episode of Dance Moms should end with Charlton Heston exploding the atom bomb <laughs> from the end of Beneath the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> that would be uh, somebody said every porno movie should end with footage of birth. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh There's consequences God. to this stuff. Yeah, uh, that's uh, sobering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be like just at the end, just have the earth blow up. That's fine. You'd be fine with me. <laughs> so um, growing up where you grew up, was uh, how did movies figure into your earlier life? It, it was it was huge. I, I, I'm from a really big family. I have four older brothers. I have a younger sister. Oh, great. And, uh, and, and a three-bedroom house. And I was very much out of place in my family. Everybody, you know, they're real men and men. Yeah. You know, their balls have balls. Right. You know, (laughs) men. My brothers are prison guards. Oh, wow. You know, they're, and, and everybody hunts and they're all athletes. And, and I was this little weird creative type. Yeah. And I, I mean, I've literally figured it out. Like I was the fifth boy and I just think my mother's body was out of testosterone. Oh. <laughs> you know, like, and they gave me like, I have a Sue Jenner's uh, name of Dana. It's kind right. of a segue name. Um, <laughs> it's alarming that I'm straight, I guess. Um, but, uh, uh, so I was, a uh, I became obsessed with, uh, horror movies. I think one of the reasons, um, uh, you, like, who knows why you like something? Yeah. You, you know, who knows why some people are obsessed with Springsteen and other people aren't? Uh-huh. 
I don't, I don't, I can't tell you. But one of the things about uh, horror movies uh, and and science fiction and stuff is that uh, the the kids relate to the monster because the you know the monster no one understands the monster uh-huh. and and that's how kids feel. Right, right. kids feel like. The Wolfman or Frankenstein. Yeah, I, I think that. I'm okay, but nobody gets me. Nobody yeah. understands me. Um, and uh, Planet of the Apes specifically, which it was a very uh, huge movie uh, for me. Um, uh, it, it's literally like the, the Charlton Heston in that movie is on this planet that he doesn't under. He's in this world that is upside down. That uh-huh. He doesn't understand. And and that is is very subconscious, but that's how I felt. It was like, nobody understands. Like I had books yeah. and, and, and just, it, I was just in this world and, you know, there was to a little kid, they were like apes and these giant people. Uh-huh. And, uh, I'm like, yeah, I can relate to this guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, it was strange. And then the other thing, just growing up in a, in a, you know, a, a, an alcoholic household where everyone, where it was just chaos mm-hmm. all the time. Um, you know, it was dependable every night at six, Star Trek was on. Right. And uh uh and that was that's a huge thing. Yeah. When 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 you live in when you live in chaos, uh that sort of uh st- stability is yeah. really important. Like I knew and I had a little there's a little old black and white television upstairs, uh and uh every night at six Star Trek was on. So I could go and watch Star Trek. And wow. that was like it was a really important thing. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really and, cool. And, that's, and the stuff that you like as an adult, it just carries over. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. You just stick with that stuff. So a lot of sci-fi, a lot of horror. Yeah, that was that was the that was the stuff that I really uh uh stuck to and then around the, and and there were certain things that everybody would shut up for. Uh, like everybody would shut up when a Clint Eastwood movie was on. Everybody would shut family? up. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody would shut up when a James Bond movie was on. <laughs> right. And everybody would shut up when, uh, George Carlin was on. And oh, he yeah. was on TV a lot in the seventies when uh-huh. I grew up. And I thought, and, and I, it was funny. I just, it was, it was the only way to kind of get around all that stuff. Yeah. And, uh, I kind of like, I, that's interesting. Uh-huh. <laughs> everybody likes him. Right. I like him. It was one of the few things that I had in common with everybody. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, you like him. I also like him. Uh-huh. That's, so that's the thing we have in common. Right. Um, and those, and that's sort of like where I, I latched on to, to that. And I also came of age. I was, uh, you know, the, the first blush of Saturday Night Live and Steve Martin's huge stardom in the late 1970s, mid 1970s. Yeah. Uh, I would, that's when I was 14, 15, 16 years old. And, uh, and I thought, yeah, I'll be a comedian. That's great. But I did have this weird theory that like I would become a comedian and I would become a movie star mm-hmm. and I would be so popular that they would let me write my own movies. And then I could write horror movies and be in them. Right. And, which is, the most bass backwards way of becoming a writer. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like I want to be, I want to be a pastry chef, right? And if I'm elected president of the United States, <laughs> yeah, they would have to let me bake anything I want. <laughs> <laughs> it was really, it was really an ass backwards. But yeah. I did end up doing exactly that. I know. I, I, I did end up doing exactly that, but it took a long time. Well, that's really cool though. Like hearing uh, horror, sci-fi. Uh, James Bond, George Carlin, and now yeah. to look at your career, that really there's a through line. Yeah, well, James Bond is sort of an outlier. <laughs> well, yeah, for sure. But 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 the point is like, but I love all that stuff. Like I still love Clint Eastwood movies, and I still love James Bond yeah. movies, and 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 they're the kind of things that don't fit in with my sort of right. But people would assume I would, you know, people would assume I like. Yeah. Um. 
Uh, I don't know how James Bond would fare in the Me Too era. I don't know how they're going to make another movie. <laughs> yeah. Hello, Mr. Bond. I'm Ivana Sakuov. Nice to meet you. Have a good afternoon. I have to leave now. <laughs> I feel a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Continued success. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They have tamed that a little bit, though, uh, even before the Me Too stuff. Ending. Yeah, they did. And I think the movies are great. I, you know, I, I remember I went to see, uh, I guess it was Spectre was the last one with my friends, you know, and, and they're like, oh, I don't like it. Yeah. What? What? What does a James Bond movie have that this didn't have? Okay. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Ease up. Well, we definitely won't see any. I mean, there was a movie called Octopussy for Christ's sure. sake. Sure. Which is I, honestly the only one I've never seen. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, it's the only one I've never seen. I saw him in a clown suit. and meh. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you feel about the various Bonds, but Roger Moore is who Roger Moore was. Yeah. I enjoyed it because he was my Bond growing up. Yeah. I'm um, 46 years old, so he yeah. was in no, the I get that. Spot. I get it. I get it. I, I mean, I like them. I like them all. Sure. <laughs> I like them all. I grew up with Sean Connery on television. Yeah. And I think he was the best one. And then I think Daniel Craig was good. Uh, I'm with and you. Then, yeah. yeah. That would be my order. And then they so. all. And, the, and I, I even like, I liked one of the Pierce Brosnan movies. I hear he's a dick. Oh, really? <laughs> you know what? I think I heard that from someone, yeah, too. Yeah, so, and that affects how you like him. Oh, like, for sure. I know somebody who was at a party, uh, like a big party, like uh-huh. the Vanity Fair party. And there's these pictures. And, and Daniel Craig had a crazy mustache at the time, yeah. but he f- photobombed them. Nice. Like, yeah, and yeah. it made me like him so much. Absolutely. Like, it's him and his wife, and Daniel Craig's literally behind them going, uh-huh. know, which I just think is hilarious. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. No, I've heard Pierce Brosnan is yeah, and is Daniel Craig bumped nice into guy. me at a party once, and it was like getting hit by a car. Oh, really? He is uh, he is just a giant muscle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, people bounce into me, and they bounce right back. <laughs> yeah, no, he not he, in a brick walk. He anyway. was very sweet. He was like, "Oh, I'm so sorry," but he was literally it was like getting, it was like a bull ran into you. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. How tall is he? He's a little bit tall. He's like five ten, I think. Yeah, okay. yeah, he's not that tall, but but. A rock. Just, just a rock. Yeah. Chiseled from Supposedly, stone. he works out and like he has this cold room. That he exercises in, so uh-huh. you can do more. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just this weird. The science of yeah, yeah. The science of becoming a terrifying human being. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport, and I'm Kibi Rappaport, and together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the juicy. podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do 
find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes... I guess identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, so, all right, we'll get into Planet of the Apes, but um, quickly before, I I kind of had a hunch. Were you on The Simpsons when the, the Planet of the Apes musical? No, I I, I assumed you wrote it. I, no, but I had the same. I, I pitched that idea for the Ben Stiller show. Right. I and, we, and we got canceled before we got to do it. That was, and it was such a good show. It was two things. It was going to be in the, you know, you'd have the, it was going to be the. Planet of the Apes, the musical, in the first act, and in the second act, it was going to be Dr. Zayas doing Mark Twain tonight. That was going to be the two. (laughs) And um, Planet Planet of the Apes, the musical, ended up at The Simpsons. I don't know if if the idea carried over or if they just had the same idea at the same time. Um, There were some crossover writers. I don't care. They did a great job, and they did a much better job than I would have done. I don't know about that, (laughs) but I I just figured – and I looked it up and saw that you didn't write it, but I thought, well, he was probably on staff or something. No, it was not on staff, and I could not write from chimpanzee to chimpanzee. That was was David Cohen. That was David Cohen. But uh, I ended up doing Dr. Zayas doing Mark Twain Tonight for John Hodgman. I remember that. a live show, and that's that's on on YouTube. Yeah. That was pretty great, huh? And it was – yeah, it was as – that was as good as it it could have been. Yeah. That's one of those things like – and then I laid – I had this weird side career as Dr. Sayers. (laughs) (laughs) Then I did uh, uh, William Shatner doing – no, it was – it was – it was me doing Dr. Zayas as William Shatner performing uh, The Night Before Christmas. So you're just bringing in all your favorite things. <laughs> yeah, and it was circled around, and, and, and it was like a Russian doll. Like, it was Dr. Zayas, and then it was it – was, it was it was Dr. Zayas comes out talking like William Shatner, then he breaks character and talks like Dr. Zayas, yeah. and then I break character and talk like me, and then I go back to <laughs> William Shatner. <laughs> That's great. Uh, when did you leave The Simpsons? How many years ago was that? I guess it was 2008 or nine. Okay. Cause, uh, my co-host from stuff you should know, Josh and I yeah. were lucky enough to go to one of the table reads, but that oh, was, when? um, 
That was like five or six years ago. Yeah, probably. I was probably had just left. Yeah. It was like, yeah. And it was, I mean, just. As, How'd you get into that? Uh, a friend knew a person, uh-huh. kind of one of those things. Yeah. And no, they're uh, great. They're all great. It's just so much fun. No, I talked to Hank Azaria on the phone yesterday. Like everybody's That's, still close. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. And yeah. his Simpsons guys, like, uh, for stuff you should know, we're always making the references. And we met Matt Groening and it was just like one of those moments, you know, like he signed the script and drew his little Bart and I've got it framed now. <laughs> yeah. And could uh, be a nicer guy. Yeah. And then uh, for our uh, 999th and 1000th episodes um, this, this past year, we did Simpsons part one and two, which was people have been asking for for years. So we finally uh-huh. did our Sim- Simpsons retrospective. Right. And uh, it was just great. So thank you for all that work. Over the years. <laughs> it meant a lot to a lot of people. Oh, sure. That Yeah. It's, I mean, uh, it's funny. I watch my my daughter as a character. <laughs> Oh, really? My, my, yeah, my daughter Lulu is Ling Bouvier, Selma's adopted no daughter from way. China. I wrote that episode, and uh, the the design is her baby photo. That's awesome. And uh, and that character recurs. And, uh, like, she was watching The Simpsons, and she's 15. She's pretty funny. Uh-huh. She's really funny, actually. And uh, that character came in. I went, oh, honey, that's you. She's like, yeah. Like, no, no, that's you. Wow. I based it on you. She's yeah, I like Bob's Burgers. <laughs> okay. She likes Rick and Morty and Bob's Burgers. She's uh, got a good sense of humor. All right, so 1968, uh, Planet of the Apes. It's funny, your assistant. Uh, I was saying I need to know the movie so I can watch it or rewatch it. And uh, she, she, yeah, okay. Candace. Yeah, uh, she said, "Well, uh, it'll probably be something like Planet of the Apes." <laughs> and then later on, she said, "Yep, it's Planet of the Apes. <laughs> it's a layup." Uh, directed by uh, Franklin Schaffner, who. I saw also did uh, Patton, Boys yeah. from Brazil, Papillon. Papillon, yeah. Great, great Big movies. director, big yeah. director. And I didn't know that Rod Serling was one of the co-writers. Makes perfect sense, of course. It is. It is. And not not only is he one of the co-writers, his his it, the movie was based on a book by Pierre Boulle, who wrote Bridge on the River Kwai. Right. And the the the, the novel is is Sullivan's Travels. The, the novel is a very intellectual uh, exercise. Mm-hmm. Uh um, about, uh, just man's folly. And it's, it's, it, it's, it's a very, it's a think piece. Yeah. The novel is a think piece. Uh, it takes place in a modern day city. They have planes and helicopters and cars and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Rod Serling's first draft of the script was, is much closer to the novel. It's, it's very much a think piece and a political thriller. Yeah. I'm adapting that script as a graphic novel right now. Oh, wow. For Boom Comics, and that will come out later this year. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so yeah, so every day I get up and spend three hours wondering what of Rod Serling's I'm going to cut. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fun job. Yeah, that's an awful job. Yeah. Um, but no, but, but I was like, yes, I have to, I, when they offered it to me, I was like, yes, no one's, no one else is going to do this. Yeah. Um, budgetary constraints on the film. Uh, so Rod Serling wrote the first two drafts, and then they brought in, Michael Wilson, who oddly wrote Bridge on the River Kwai. Right. Uh, that's probably why they brought him in. And the budget prevented them from having it in a modern day city and mm-hmm. have it in a, you know, so they, they boiled it down to what you know as the movie. Right. And what's, what's amazing is over the course of the development, it became a different movie. It became less of a, a political thriller mm-hmm. and a think piece and, and more of a, like an, an action, uh, uh, an action movie. It, it became like a great episode of the Twilight Zone. Right. Yeah, um, exactly. And, uh, uh, I, I think it became a different movie, it became a better movie. Um, 
And but those were all things that were dictated by budget. Right. They were all external things that that dictated it. Michael Wilson was blacklisted, oh, uh, wow. and all of that you can see in the trial scene where Charlton Heston is put on trial. Yeah, totally. Um, and 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 that is that scene is what the movie is about. That scene is what the movie is about. And his character who is a misanthrope mm-hmm. who hates humanity he's so kind much of an so asshole. he's a total dick yeah. <laughs> he's a complete dick uh and we can get into that uh he's a complete dick and which he's not in the serling movie which he's not in the serling script right. he's a, he's a very traditional rod serling mid-century liberal guy oh interesting yeah and it was i believe it was Heston or Schaffner or Michael Wilson that had like, no, what if he was a dick, but he had to defend humanity. He hated humanity, but he had to defend it. Yeah. And that's interesting. Yeah. It gave him a role to play, gave him something to play. And uh, that court scene is what the movie's about. What the Tim Burton remake didn't have was that scene. Yeah. You know, it, it, it managed to be about nothing. Yeah. Which is difficult mm-hmm. when you think about it uh and 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 that's really what the movie uh was about um uh but yeah i did this comparison <laughs> once well like you know the whole way the first 20 minutes of the movie they're just walking through the desert and charlton heston is just ragging on these guys he's being such an asshole and, to his other yeah his fellow to, astronauts to, yeah the, my favorite li- my favorite line is uh because your loved ones have been dead and forgotten yeah. for 20 centuries. <laughs> Even if you could get back, they'd think you were something that fell out of a tree. It's like, aren't you in charge of morale? Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, you well, know it'd be like the- Star Trek Captain Kirk. We're surrounded by Klingons. We deserve to die. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then when his buddy, uh, in a very like patriotic and kind of sweet plants gesture, a flag. plants a flag, and he basically just laughs at him. Yeah. <laughs> what a jerk. Yeah, he was all teeth. Yeah. Kind of a dick. He was very much a dick. And yeah. it's funny, I watched... Um, but uh, but again, Charlton Heston, nicest guy in the world. Oh, yeah? Crazy right-wing yeah. political guy. But I did Bill Maher's Politically Correct, uh-huh. Politically Incorrect, yeah, yeah. the show before Real Time. Yep, sure. And I did it with Charlton Heston, and I was... And we disagreed on a point. Uh, he, he was talking about guns. I'd recently been held up. Oh, and wow. so I said something. Uh, I said, like, I didn't believe in guns or school prayer. And then I had a gun in my face and I believe in them both. Holy and shit. I got a big laugh. But I and it sort of and I get a got a big laugh and it ended the segment and it went right to commercial. Mm-hmm. And if, if if you if you didn't realize if you didn't know the text, it looked like I shut Charlton Heston down right. when I really just got a laugh and they went to commercial. Uh-huh. And he leaned over to me and I thought it was going to say, don't ever interrupt me again. Like I thought he was going to be a, yeah. and it was going to ruin it. For me. Yeah, he's probably intimidating. He's he, huge. Yeah, he was age. huge. He was, yeah. Even as old he was huge. He was 6'2 or 6'2. Yeah. He was a big guy. But he leaned over and he put his hand on my arm and he went, so you're an actor. Uh, you're, things are going well. You're on this. So clearly things are going well. <laughs> Just chit-chat. And, yeah, couldn't have been nicer. Wow. Sent, and, uh, sent me a photo. I told him later how much I love the movie. He said, give me your address. And he, I, he sent me a signed picture from the movie like three days later. Yeah. Just a really old school gentleman. I I, I couldn't say enough nice things about him. And you di- I disagree politically, but you disagree politically. Yeah. You know, I even remember watching the uh, the Michael Moore. Uh, yeah, I hated that. I, I 
as you're much as a, like liberal I am, I was thinking, oh my God, you're badgering this old man. Who has Alzheimer's. Yeah, it was just, yeah. I felt so gross about yeah. that whole thing. And I, and I will say, I, I've done, I've, I've, I've been in the company of both men yeah. and uh, the, the conservative man is a much more pleasant human being. No, <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, but I was watching this, uh, with my wife last night. I'd obviously seen the movie before, but, sure. um, wanted to take my notes and she, she is not, into sci-fi or <laughs> camp classics. Yeah. And um had a little wine together. Sure. And she started just sort of sounding off on the movie. It was very funny for me to hear, but um Oh yeah, there's some really gross stuff in that movie. Well, yeah, which we'll get to uh, which is great actually and funny and awful. But the, um, the thing about Stuart the, the monologue about Stuart, well, is that yeah, where you're going? Yeah, we might as well. <laughs> so for those of you who have not seen the it, most precious cargo <laughs> we brought along. Yeah. The, <laughs> they have crashed their their spaceship and they have found that uh, they have lost the one, the lone uh, female, female. Uh, who we learn later was going to be our Eve. Yeah. Basically, the one, they sent one woman so they could just yeah. repeatedly have sex with her. Right. And impregnate. I, I bet she thought she was the botanist. <laughs> Probably so. <laughs> like, well, now that we're here, let's crack the seal on Operation New Eve and see what that's about. Yeah, she probably was a botanist. <laughs> uh, and the, the line was, uh, Stuart was to be our new Eve with a hot, eager help, of course. Yeah. Which is just so gross. It's so gross. gross. It's so gross. And it's also, uh, it, the whole thing is really terrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's 1968. Yeah. And it's also, it's like, make sure Dodge doesn't win the toss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. No, th- th- that, that whole thing is, is inexplicable. And I don't know where that came from. <laughs> it was really weirdly out of place, even for a movie of that time. It was, it was. But, uh, H- Heston came late to, <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Sensitivities. Of it was, the... yeah, it was the, it was Mad Men. It was just a different, completely different era. But yeah, yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> it's inexplicable. Well, my wife. But even, <laughs> even as a plan, it doesn't work. Even well, yeah, plan, there's one woman. Yeah, so yeah. you're going to have a, se- a race of inbred people right. on this planet. Like every nine months, I'll have yeah, one. Oh more my God, child. that is Earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my wife said, uh, I'm severely on the ape side at this point. And I said, well, that's the whole point of the movie. Yeah. And she went, oh, well, mission accomplished then. And she just sort of checked in and out through yeah. the night with But the best barbs. character in the movie is a woman. Zira is the yeah. is the heart and soul of the movie. Yeah, and Kim Hunter. And she's a woman, yeah. She was great. Yeah. And uh, there's an interesting story because uh, she walked up to Charlton Heston at the premiere and he didn't know who she was. I think I read that. Yeah, because she was always in makeup. Right. But but here's a great story. So uh, at the end of the movie, they're shooting up at Point Doom in Malibu, and the apes. Which everyone has shot there who's ever lived in. Yes, LA. exactly. Uh, the actors played the apes had to get there at three in the morning mm-hmm. to get in makeup and then get in a station wagon in ape makeup and right. be driven up <laughs> to Malibu. Yeah. And so they added two hours to their schedule just mm-hmm. for the commute. And Heston was uh, the head of SAG at the time, and uh, he had a lot of weight. Yeah. And when he found out about that, he didn't even know. He was just like, like, how are you doing? I'm tired. I got here at three. Why did you get here at three? Right. And like he just, you know, and he made a call and made them, made Fox get them a helicopter uh-huh. so they could sleep for another two hours. Oh, wow. Yeah, which is a lot. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he didn't have to do that. Yeah, you know, he's that's just, a nice guy thing to do. Yeah, and there's another story that they were shooting in the desert, and the only way the, the apes, because of the makeup, they couldn't eat. You know, they would drink milkshakes for lunch. Right. Uh, and they didn't have any straws, 
and they were down in the ravine and he literally ran. He goes, I have an exercise today. And he ran a wow. mile back to base camp, got a bunch of straws yeah. and ran a mile back. That, that great run of his too. When you see him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His yeah exactly. Very upright. Nice yeah, very, yeah. But, but it, his son, Frazier said that uh, every day a crew member or somebody will come up to him mm-hmm. and tell him a story about how great his father was. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's really it's cool. Because when he's your dad, you're like, whatever. He's my yeah. Dad. Yeah. That's great. Uh, so um, it, it was funny watching the um, – obviously, we are camping now, but uh, a couple of things. The the makeup kind of holds up a little bit. It does. To be honest. And um, even though it's campy, like that first scene where those apes ride up in their leathers on the horseback still looks awesome. It's amazing. And it, it, it's it's really amazing. And – Franklin Schaffner, who directed that movie, was, again, a lifetime of obsession about this movie. I've learned a lot about it. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Um, This was his big break. Uh Uh, He'd done, he got into the movie because I believe he and Charlton Heston had done The Conqueror uh, or El Cid or one of those movies. I think Mm -hmm. it was The Conqueror. Uh, And they were friends. And uh, I think they're both uh, right wing guys. Uh, and he said, he'd be good for this. And, and, and this was his first big break and they didn't know he could do it. I took it. Uh, and he, and what I didn't know was that he based it on King Kong, that it took a half an hour or it took a half an hour to meet King Kong. Yeah. Or in the Peter Jackson movie, it takes an hour and a half. (laughs) Um, and, and so what he did was that long trek in the desert. They're like, why are you shooting this stuff? Yeah. What? And what he knew that the studio didn't realize is that he completely had to dislocate the viewer. Yeah. From, you know, really reposition them in this place. Uh-huh. And then when the gorillas come in, it's, it's done really scary. Yeah. And then when the chimps come in, he gives you laughs. Uh huh. And that way you never laugh at the makeup because the big fear was that people would laugh at the makeup. Right. Uh, and so it's really structured beautifully. Yeah. It's really well structured. And that scene's really great. Yeah. Well, the genius of the, uh, of the makeup was just doing enough. Like yeah, they still had exactly. their real eyes and exactly. there was a lot of their real face in there so they could be expressive. Well, it was just, they were, they, they were satires of humans. They yeah. weren't really apes. They were, they were, Ape-like satires of people. Right. Yeah. And yeah. The, the new movies are a different animal, no pun intended. What do you think of those? I love them. Yeah, I think, I think well, the great. Tim Burton one I did not like. No, I don't like that one. But, uh, no yeah. One, no one does. I thought these, yeah. <laughs> No one does. But no, I thought, well. the, I, I love them. I think they're great. Yeah, me too. Yeah. The last one was like, heavy. <laughs> I, that's the only, I have, still haven't seen that one. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. There's but it's like a, about an ape on a, or a grill on a horse. Yeah, it's, it's galvanizing. Really, yeah. yeah. As I've said, it's it's Moses dressed like Tarzan being chased by King Kong dressed like Fonzie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's great. Um, all right. So Charlton Heston Taylor is a, a big asshole. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny now to see that. But it's that's like I told uh, my wife, Emily, that's the whole point of the thing is he's not the guy that you're supposed to really be rooting for. Yeah. Uh, because they're flipping everything, obviously, yeah. with the statement on politics and race mm-hmm. and the class system and everything. Yeah. No, the the I don't know whose idea it was to make him a dick, but the idea of a misanthrope having to defend humanity yeah. is great. And there's a very touching scene in the movie where at the end he finds like the artificial heart valve uh-huh. and the, and he's and he 
clearly he had a person that he loved and he goes right i'm not going to say he's like a guy i knew back home but he had a must yeah. have been he had a lot of the same weaknesses and you can see that he cared about this person uh-huh. it's, it's a you know it's i think it's a perfect movie it, it's it's not the greatest movie ever made but it's uh incredibly entertaining all the way through yeah. and it is like a twilight zone and there's just enough of a message mm-hmm. to not be ponderous yeah yeah um can we talk about the uh attempted escape scene for a minute yeah because it's one of the best scenes ever because yeah. it goes on forever forever and it's just uh as far as kind of camp classics uh it's just fantastic yeah. because there are are gorillas and apes everywhere <laughs> and it and it looks throwing it's like, fruit <laughs> yeah it's like a three stooge uh three stooges scene yeah you know? i have been to that area too it's just, oh really it, yeah i have a chunk of that city in my house now uh, uh, was that malibu creek state park at the time oh, it was the yeah. 20th century fox ranch yeah i've shot there that yeah. was mash yes exactly mash is just over the hill uh-huh yeah same thing uh and uh and when you go to the area where ape city was the it's uh, I, I was like i wonder if we can find any parts of it wow and you you can't uh, avoid it is it's there anything there at all tons of it because the well, mash jeep is still there uh what they did with the ape city is they plowed it they bulldozed it in 1975 okay and they hauled out the big chunks and they just left everything else oh wow. and so there's just all over the place there's concrete stuck to rebar wow it's just the ape city yeah i got a chunk of it in my house yeah i think uh i was a PA i walked out of there with like and... 30 pounds of it in i'm my sure <laughs> oh yeah what did what did you shoot at uh at oh i mean ranch? it's just some stupid like beer commercial probably uh perfect you know yeah it's like movie history is being made and then they're uh hawking course light yeah sure that's just that's LA, yeah and though. you go you go up you drive through where battle for the planet of the apes was filmed and then you get to planet of the apes and then you go over the hill and it's smash what did you think of the sequels to the original? I mean, I, I love them like my uh, like, you know, I, I love them all, but there are various qualities. Yeah, sure. I loved Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, which was the the one where they're in the modern city and they revolt. Uh, right. Yeah. And they're all dressed in weird jumpsuits. Uh-huh. It just it's just yeah. cr- it's just crazy. <laughs> I just loved it. How many were there? Five. Five. Yeah. As a kid. I mean, it was I was the it was just n- n- insane enough. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and well, Beneath the Planet of the Apes is a truly insane movie. And that was the one directly after this Yeah, movie. where there's an – at the end of the movie – and it's one of my favorite things to do is to logically get to an insane place. I mean, mm. it's a, it's really a farce. At the end of the movie, you have telepathic mutants fighting evolved apes while two astronauts from the past fight over their mute cave girl right. while they're trying not to blow up the world with a nuclear weapon and yeah. you've gotten there logically right right Somehow <laughs> there's it all just a sense. lot going on in that movie they really threw everything at you what was your entry point for uh, planet of the apes like when did you first see it i was familiar with it because i used to see the commercials on television and mm-hmm. i do not know why but it just utterly galvanized me yeah. i don't i can't tell you why yeah um, I saw Escape from the Planet of the Apes at the drive-in when in 1971. Uh-huh. Uh, my mother said I was six, and I knew it was. I saw the TV commercials, and then I saw that it was playing. And I like she goes, "You, there was no way you weren't going." Yeah, like I, I was like stood up. Uh, we are going. <laughs> right, was, right. It was unusual. Uh, and then uh, I saw Escape from the Planet of the Apes at the drive-in in 1971. I saw Battle for the Planet of the Apes at the drive-in in 1973. And then that that was in the summer. And then in the fall, 
this is when they started to come up on television. Right. So you saw the original Planet of the Apes third? Yep. I saw it on television. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But I was, you know, I was nine, so it didn't yeah. throw me. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the juicy. podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I want to talk about uh, poor little Lucius for a minute. Who's a friend of mine. Shut up. Yeah. The guy? Lou Wagner, yeah. Yeah, because I looked him up. I hadn't heard of him. Yeah, he's still around. Yeah, Great he's guy. in his 70s or something. Yeah, probably. he's 70. He's really funny. Uh, he's in an improv group with Fred Willard. Really? And uh, I was supposed to go to his house on New Year's Day, but I was out of town. Oh, but, that's fantastic. Yeah, he's, 
He's the only principal uh, ape still go- around uh-huh. and uh, couldn't be a nicer fella. He was That's on, great. He was also on Chips. You can see him uh, oh, out really? of makeup. He was the <laughs> he was sort of like the the uh, oh, he's a regular. Yeah, he was the um, uh, pathologist guy on Chips. Oh, OK. Yeah. 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 So he um, one of my wife's comments last the night. Hippie, was, he's the only thing that dates the movie. Yeah. To- absolutely. The hippie ape. Yeah, and uh, my wife thought he had a little bit of, she's like, he's got a little Luke Skywalker in him. Yeah, totally. The sort of, the, the sort of whiny teenager thing. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, you could, it's so funny that your wife says that because it's so true. If you watch Star Wars, like, you couldn't have that character be the center of a movie anymore. Yeah. I was on my way to Tashi Station to get some power converters. <laughs> he's just, yeah. Yeah. It was just that you Which I didn't like, notice when I was six and no, saw me Star neither. Wars. There's a, there's a couple of really, like, uh, where he goes, oh, so you should leave us out here, sir. What kind of talk is that? Right. <laughs> he's really, he's really sweet. It's so good. Lucius is such a, I mean, you just kind of oh, want to a lot of head shaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. uh, he's, uh, he, you know, obviously as he's amazing. So he's the one that told me about Charlton Heston running back to get the oh, straws. Right. Yeah. Man, so you just, you've gotten all the good inside stories. Yeah. And he was like, but he was like, he called him, he goes, you know, first thing he told me was call me Chuck. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, again, it's like you're, you're poised to not like him if you disagree with his politics. But right. He's just like, no, he's a great guy. That's he's a good a, lesson. Yeah. He was a great know, guy. For yeah. People. It is a good lesson. Uh, never trust anyone over 30. Yeah. One of the great so lines. Dear, yeah. Right out of laughing. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And then the, the see no evil, uh, evil, hear no evil, speak no evil yeah. was, it, it there's a story so, about that too. So corny. Uh, what, what's that? That was not in the script. Okay. And they, Schaffner pitched it to Heston or Heston pitched it to Schaffner as a joke for the dailies. Oh, Let's wow. just do it and it'll be a, a joke for the, we'll show it in the dailies. It'll be, we'll just do it. It'll be funny. Uh-huh. And then they put it in the first sneak. Just as a, it's like, uh, I know it's too much. Yeah. But let's just put it in and see what people think. <laughs> and then the sneak was crushed and, then uh said, okay well i'm going to trim that scene and i'll take out the hear no evil scene and they're like what are you talking about? you can't take it out yeah. he's like no we can't have that in there it's too much we got to take it out <laughs> and then the studio's like you're not taking it out it got a huge laugh yeah and uh, it's, yeah it's it, as they say it's an, there's no it's inexcusable but there you go yeah yeah uh and then there's that great uh kind of sweet moment at the end with um with Taylor and Zira. But you're so damned ugly. Yeah. When, you know, she's clearly just smitten with him the whole, the whole picture. And Roddy yeah. McDowell is just like the sort of cuckold <laughs> and waiting. And, uh, which is so perfect that That's it's Roddy so McDowell. But, um, yeah, I know. you know, I'd like to give you a, a goodbye kiss. I'd like reason. to kiss you goodbye. <laughs> so All great. right. But you're so damned ugly. Yeah. It was yeah. really, really pretty. It's sweet, really, actually. it's very sweet. Um, and then let's discuss the end quickly. Um, uh-huh. One of the great, uh, like you said, uh, Twilight Zone endings. It would be great if he didn't get it. My God, they have a Statue of Liberty, too. <laughs> no, you idiot. <laughs> he should have done one take like that. <laughs> yeah. That's what are the odds? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and of course, my wife, I was like setting it up like, here's the beginning. Here's the beginning. One of the most famous last shots ever. She was like, oh, Statue of Liberty. She's like, but why is it at the beach? And they were just at Lake Powell. And Malibu, I'm like, hey, don't uh, don't overthink it. Two thousand years of nuclear obliteration. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Nah, things shifted. Things yeah, moved yeah, around. things moved around. But one of the, one of the great Hollywood endings uh, ever. Oh yeah, one of the great one of the great surprise endings, and that was, and everybody has taken credit for it. Oh really? Yeah, and it was Rod Serling's. 
Okay. It was it was Rod Serling. I mean, it's got his fingerprints. Yeah, and and it's funny. More, I saw more at Abraham's speak, who's the associate producer, uh-huh. and uh, and he said yes. Everybody, Arthur P. Jacobs took credit for it. Took yeah. credit for it. Because Statue of Liberty, half buried in the sand, is what you get when you write Rod Serling a check. There you go. He goes, it was Rod's. It was Rod's. It was Rod's. Now, uh, apparently there were some alternate endings, but I I couldn't find what they were. Do you you know? Yeah, there there were the uh, the alternate ending was and this was cut. It was shot and it was cut. Uh, The the part of this was cut. It was implied that Nova was pregnant. Uh, And there was kind of was, though. What in real life? Uh, no, not in real life. Oddly, she was the girlfriend and later wife of Dick Zanuck, who ran Fox. All right, because one of the uh, bits of trivia I found was that she was pregnant with his child during right. the shoot. And toward the end, they said she was showing a little, but that oh, may be more. No, I think that's premature. Okay. I mean, but but she was – it was implied that she – there was a scene with – in the movie that was shot that said that she was pregnant with Taylor's child. Okay. And they cut it because it would – because it like she was a – cave girl and it was it was they thought it would imply miscegenation of bestiality or some kind of it was too much it was too much for them it was too much for them but the theory was that she was uh she was pregnant taylor was gonna get shot by a gorilla sniper and killed before he saw the statue of liberty oh nova would have ridden off alone Mm mm-hmm then Zaius and Zira walk down the beach and she says, what is that? And Zaius says, it's a graven idol worshipped by man. And they reveal the Statue of Liberty. That's and then the bad. last shot is Nova riding off alone pregnant. Well, that's not bad, actually. Yeah, but it was but you the, the, it's very satisfying to have him see it. And yeah, and 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 to have him, you know, th- that moment is very satisfying. So the idea, though, is that see, Zaius... I like a nice ending. Yeah, I like a nice. Let's let me just pull something out of thin air. Twin Peaks, the return. <laughs> I didn't see the end. It was, there was is it? no ending. It's, it's, uh, it's really? not. It's just like knock knock. Who's there? Ted. Ted. Who? Never mind. Look at those balloons. That's yeah, not an ending. I didn't. Uh, I gave up on that. Yeah. And I love David Lynch, but I, I do too. Of, I was the same way. I was very. I was a, it, you're not a sellout if you conclude your story in a satisfactory way. No, I agree. <laughs> you know? Totally. Charles Dickens did it. You yeah. can do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, and I, I think I have here that in the trivia as well the number. Uh, 66 all-time movie quote was the uh, take your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty ape. Yes, so. and that's a great line. And In the original Serling draft, uh, it's um, he's about to undergo – it's a very different story. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's about to undergo brain surgery. They're about to remove his frontal lobes. Right. And he gets his voice back and he says, no, get away from me, leave me alone. Oh. It's not as good a line. No, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I that think, wouldn't be number sixty-six of all time. Yeah, no. yeah. Take your, I, I'm assuming it was written by Michael Wilson, but it's a yeah. great line. It's it's a great line. And Heston just chewing the scenery. Yeah, something. yeah. But you know what? So good. But but it's perfect. You know, you need you need a guy that big. Yeah. To carry that story. Yeah. Which uh, and, and you know what? Mark Wahlberg does not do it. Yeah. Uh, you need a guy larger than life mm-hmm. to be the scent to 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 give that story a fulcrum, you know. Yeah, and uh, and he nails it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Same with Omega Man. Not as good a movie, but was that him as well? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, I never saw that. It's great. Yeah. It's super cheesy, campy, but right. great, excellent. Yeah. And of course, uh, Soylent Green. Yeah. Uh, no one, no one yelled a line better. 
Nobody uh, yelled the lion, but yeah. And even and, and the one thing, and even in Touch of Evil, when he's trying to be romantic, he's still yeah. yelling, "I haven't kissed you in over an hour." Ah, leave her alone. It's so good. I saw. I was just doing more research this morning, and I saw where he turned up on a lot of lists of like uh, greatest bad actors that everyone loves still. And I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think he's a bad actor. Yeah, I don't think he's a bad actor. I don't think he's a bad actor. I think I think he did. I think he did what he did. Uh-huh. Uh And uh, he, you know, a lot of that. He he became a character. He became Charlton Heston. Yeah. You know? um, and at the time, though, there was far less nuance in performance. Yeah, anyway. he was not. He was not a. He was not from the actor studio. He yeah. predated that. Uh, he was a very traditional. Yeah. 50s actor and the brando stuff was after him really uh-huh. uh um he's he's a different kind of actor he's a theatrical uh, yeah. actor but i don't he's I always don't, projecting to the last row yes but i yeah i don't i i don't i don't think he's uh he's a bad actor no i agree yeah i imagine he knew which side was his good side yeah he, i'll tell uh, you who i think is a bad actor who? leonardo dicaprio oh let's get into this i i don't think he's I, he never when he's angry he shouts uh-huh when he's sad, he pouts. Uh-huh. He never <laughs> plays the opposite intention. He's not internal at all. He's 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 a he's a face actor. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I never. I'm never wondering what he's thinking. That's a uh, good point. Yeah, I don't find him a good actor. Wow, I never thought about that. Yeah, I think he's a very. Uh, some. Uh, I think he's a very first thought actor. Uh huh. Yeah. Wow. Did uh, you just ruin Leo for me? Maybe. <laughs> Who's your favorite actor? Me? Living actor, yeah. Living oh, boy. actor. That's tricky, I know. That is so tough. You're going to say Luke Wilson. <laughs> I mean, the first thing that popped in my head was Sean Penn, but that's just because he's great. I yeah. Mean, they're, uh, that's I went, a, I was, I went to Hawaii with Sean Penn once. Did you? I did. <laughs> is he great? He's a very interesting fellow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I love this guy named Bill Nye, or Bill Nye, uh-huh. N-I-G-H. Yeah, English. Uh, uh, yeah, I can watch great. I can watch that guy read the phone book. Uh-huh. I, there's something about that guy yeah. I just love. And and, and, and this is, you know, it's the opposite of, of Leonardo DiCaprio. He's so quiet mm-hmm. and so internal and, 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 and utterly fascinating to yeah. me. Yeah, utterly fascinating to me. I, I, he's just so good. And I saw him on Charlie Rose once. Um, God rest his soul. <laughs> the, yeah, late, the, the late Charlie the Rose. The late Charlie Rose. And, uh, and, and you know who Bill Nye's favorite actor is? Who? Steve Martin. Oh, wow. And he goes, hey, Charlie, have you ever watched his hands? It's his hands. It's a ballet. It, wow. You know, it's like only a British, uh-huh. uh, like, Rada actor would really pick yeah, up on yeah. that. Yeah. I can because I can just I'm obsessed with Steve Martin's hands. Wow. <laughs> so I need to come up with a better answer for that question. I, I it's Darkest Hour with Gary Oldman is uh I haven't seen that one yet. It's amazing. Yeah. And it's the best makeup I've ever seen in a movie. Well, he's yeah, he's of course great. Yeah, but the makeup Hoffman I was really into. He's also phenomenal. But yeah. the weird thing about the makeup in Darkest Hour is it doesn't look like makeup. Okay. And I've never seen that before. Yeah. Ever in anything except it's Planet of the Apes. <laughs> very good makeup. It's you know it's even you know it, it's really amazing. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, it's it's amazing. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Uh, all right. We end with a couple of segments here. Uh, one called "What Ebert Said." This movie is a complete disappointment. 
I'd always like to go back <laughs> and see through this lens. I did Letterman with Ebert and Siskel and Ebert. Oh, really? Yeah. I have a, I'm going to write a book. Called, I've met everybody because I think I have. Can you tell the stories? <laughs> I just, yeah, because I started, I got in the business when I was 17. Oh, really? And, yeah. And I've How just, so? I just started doing stand up when I was 17. Wow. I started working. So I was very young when I was, and I've just had a lot of, I've been very fortunate. I've met a lot of people and, yeah. Uh, well, Ben Stiller and, show, you were pretty young. Uh, yeah. I was when that came in out. my twenties and, and, uh, and yeah, I did Letterman with Siskel and Ebert. And again, like Gene Siskel was super nice and Roger Ebert was a dick. Really? Yeah. Oh, cause you see, I've seen that documentary and I just want to yeah. give him a hug. Yeah. You know? And, and, and he, when he was a dick, I, I was in the makeup chair with Siskel. We were in the makeup together. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, you guys turned me onto one of my favorite movies. And, uh, and he said, what was that? And I said, uh, Carnival of Souls. And he went, Oh, and we talked about Carnival of Souls. Oh, for that's like great. 20 minutes. Uh-huh. And then, and then I, uh, Got into the dressing room and like I started to say something to Ebert. And he just walked past me like really brushed. And Gene, I uh, locked eyes with Gene, and he was like, "Oh, really? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah." But it was then we had kind of a moment. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I deal with. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like my wife. Yeah. You know. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's really. All right. So here's what uh, Ebert gave it three stars actually, and oh, yeah. um, that's impressive. This pull quote is uh, he was talking about um, just to put it in context, sort of other reviewers and people in Chicago before it came out, right. kind of slamming the movie uh-huh. ahead of time, right. even though there were lines around the block and it was very anticipated. Yeah. And Pauline Kale gave it a rave. Oh, really? Yeah. That was the thing that really put it over the top is that Pauline Kale said it was the best American movie of the year she'd, she'd oh, seen wow. so far that year. It was only came out in February. <laughs> well, <laughs> or, well no, it came out in April. Okay. Uh, well, not bad. Yeah. Best movie of the first four months. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Ebert says this, uh, what they were really implying, his reviewer friends, was that any movie named Planet of the Apes had to be awful. This kind of snobbery may be good for a chuckle or two, but those who practice it miss a lot of entertaining movies. Planet of the Apes is one. It is not great or significant or profound. I'm not sure I agree with that. Uh, occasionally it is distractingly cute, as when the apes rewrite one cliche after another, man see, man do, for example, to, uh, to apes all men look alike. But this is part of the fun. So is that much-publicized ape makeup. It does look real by Jingo. And after a while, you really do start thinking of those apes as individuals. Yeah, so that's right. He dug it for the most part. He did, yeah. And I read some other like old reviews at the time. And uh, oh, go back and read the reviews of like Star Wars. Oh, uh, really? Oh, yeah, it's amazing. Ultimately, it fails. Right. Like, <laughs> or the, my favorite thing: whenever you get a bad review, it's important to go. Yeah, you read the reviews of Star Wars, or read the reviews of the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Oh, really? They are many things, musicians not among them. <laughs> you know, wow. <laughs> yeah, they got slammed. Just take that with all the grain of salt. Yeah, Bosley Crowther was like, you know, I don't know what you would call the noise they make. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the beginning of a revolution, <laughs> perhaps. The Beatles? Wow. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we uh, end finally with five questions. Um, what's the first movie you remember seeing in the theater? Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. Oh, I remember that movie. Mm-hmm. All this great Disney, uh, yeah, Apple Dumpling Gang, and yeah, 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 and I, lo- I went, to, I went to see it because I liked the, I, I thought the the knights walking alone with nothing inside the suit uh-huh. was cool and scary. Yeah, and that's yeah, why I went. Nice. Um, for some reason, those early movies like that that I watched always take me back to the Don Knotts. Uh, movies like Incredible Mr. Oh, Olympics. sure. Well, Ghost of Mr. Chicken's one of my favorites. Yeah, such a great movie. Mm-hmm. He was great. Uh, I voiced him on The Simpsons. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. When you hear Barney Fife, it's me. 
Can you do it now? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely guy. His daughter's wonderful. His daughter's name is Karen. Uh, and, uh, uh, she's really sweet. And, um, I met Don Knotts, uh, at a, uh, he, he I didn't, I didn't meet him when he did The Simpsons. Uh, and then he passed and I started to do it whenever you see Barney Fife. Yeah. Uh-huh. When he talks to Chief Wiggum on television. Right. right. Hey, these are the problems of the boys <laughs> in blue. Uh, but I had a window card of the ghost of Mr. Chicken and I said, Could, uh, would you please sign this? Do calm and murder go together. Nice. And he went, is that a line from the movie? <laughs> I went, yeah, it's one of your best. Lines. All right. Uh, Sweet man. Did you do other voices on The Simpsons? A couple, but nothing major. Okay. Uh, first R rated. I was in the movie. Boston episode. Oh, really? Because it's that accent. If it's not that accent, if it's not genuine, uh-huh. is shriekingly, blatantly fake. <laughs> you know? Being from the South, yeah. I'm acquainted with that. Yeah. Uh, that I, it's I am. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Matt Selman, who wrote that episode, is also from Boston. So, so he he was the one that was like made sure that all the voices right. were specific, were were genuine. Did you uh did you have an accent that you lost? Or oh yeah, totally. Yeah, really, totally. Yeah. On purpose or just kind of uh, faded away? Yeah, I had an acting teacher beat a lot of it out of me, and then right. I moved to California. And mm-hmm. the 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 mix of my New England accent and Californian accent, people think I'm Canadian. I oh, don't know why, but it's 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 mixed. I'll say oot sometimes. Does it come out when you go home though? Yeah, I'll be home for four days. I'm like, where's the car? Right. <laughs> Uh, first R-rated movie, theater or home? Um, boy, that's a good one. I think it might have been Life of Brian. Mm, that's a good one. Uh, will you it's walk? It's a great out of, movie. Oh yeah, just so great. Yeah. Um, will you walk out of a bad movie? Yes, I have walked out of a couple of movies. You remember? I walked out of two movies in one day. Ooh, I walked out of. Uh, <laughs> that's great. I walked out of The Legend of Billy Jean. And uh-huh. I walked out of the, uh, I think the man with one red shoe. I think that was the same day. Now I walked out of the cook, the thief, his wife, and her lover. Oh, that was a good movie, though. Yeah, but the minute the guy put the dog mess in the guy's mouth, I'm yeah, like, I can't be here. Sure, I can't watch this. So was were the first two was red shoe the backup that you went into after you walked yeah, out? Yeah, yeah. So that was a double. Yeah, it was a double whammy on the same day. I was like, oh, this is awful. Did you try a third? No, I, I left. left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I give up. And I should have walked out. I sh- I really should have walked out of Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes. Yeah. But I, and I saw it with a I, – I don't want to say his name on the – I'll tell you after. But I saw it with a big director who's uh-huh. a friend of mine who's like a major movie director. Yeah. And we were sitting there and it started and he went six minutes – six seconds and he went, it's horrible. Oh, wow. And And then we were just like – is it really this bad? Yeah. Re- and then it just kept going and going and, and going ending. and going. It just kept going. And 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 we were furious when we left, but it was one of those things like, no, we have to stay and yeah. just. I've done those. Uh, it was like reading. Did When you were a kid, did you read, and I don't want to live this life, the Nancy Spungen? No. But it was Sid Vicious's girlfriend, Nancy uh-huh. Spungen. And it's one of those things like, I hate this person. Right. Why am I still reading about it? It's like, <laughs> because if I don't finish the book, it will be an unfinished thing in my mind. And yeah. I have to complete it and put it away. Yeah. I'll have to read that now. No, um, it's awful. Don't. <laughs> uh, do you have any guilty pleasure movies that you can think of? Oh, yeah. I have a, I have a, uh, uh, I have a ton. Um, uh, I mean, all the, well, I don't know if they're guilty, but like War of the Gargantuas is one of my favorite movies. But I don't know. It's, it's not really guilty. I think it's really like, I think right. it's a good, it's a great thing of what it is. Uh-huh. You know, I think it's, I don't it, think I know that movie. It's a, you know, Godzilla movie, basically. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I, 
so I would say, but I don't think it's a it's a bad movie. Right. I'm trying to think of like an, what would be yours. I'm trying to think of like I have guilty pleasure music. Like yeah, like the Doors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really into them in college. And yeah, yeah, and it's, but he's like. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I even like <laughs> bought the Jim Morrison poetry. Yeah, it's sure, so sure. Yeah, it's now. it's horrible. Yeah, it's yeah. horrible. But yeah, yeah, you're right. It's it's horrible, but you do it. Um, there must be a, a, a comedy uh, that, uh, I like. That's, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Pretty snobby. That's right. A lot of people don't have them, so don't I have but music. I have guilty pleasure music. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then finally, number five, movie going one hundred and one. Um, what's your movie going rituals? What do you, where do you sit? What do you get at the concession stand? Oh, um, well, I used to get. Now that I'm over fifty. I don't anymore. Right. <laughs> but I used to just get a barrel of pop. I would just eat it mindlessly. Yeah. I'd eat like packing peanuts. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just bury myself in popcorn uh-huh. and uh, and a giant Diet Coke. Neither one of those I get anymore. Right. Um, but, I, you know, I, I've my big movie, I was an usher at the movie theater growing up in my hometown. Uh-huh. And then I worked at the drive-in. Uh, at the, I worked at the drive-in where I saw the Planet of the Apes movies oh, as wow. a kid. Same drive-in fun. where I also saw Blade Runner and, yeah. and Star Trek II and all those movies in 1982, uh-huh. which was the summer that I worked there. Uh, there's a drive-in in Los Angeles about 45 minutes outside of town. Oh, I didn't know that. Called Mission Tiki. Uh-huh. And it's four screens. It's been, it's been around forever, but it was renovated several years ago. And it's, 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 it's gorgeous. And, uh, and my kids and I go all the time during the summer. That's fun. And uh and so that's my big like we we just take the minivan nice. and we have lawn chairs and we go to the drive in and we and we have a blast. And that's we great. do that several times during the summer. It's There's great. one here. So uh Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, I know because we went when so you when went Starlight? Yeah, when mm-hmm. they came down for the summer, we my daughter was like, Let's find a drive in, let's go to the drive in. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. I haven't been in a while. I need to check that out again. Yeah. It's I can, I'm not a weirdo about sound quality or uh-huh. image quality. I don't really care about that stuff. So. Right. Um, it was, it was really, uh, 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 th- those are the things I like. I like, I sit midway, I sit about two thirds of the way back uh-huh. and, uh, in the middle. Uh, yeah. Here's a, a close of this. Cause it's kind of, uh, it's, it's interesting. Last summer, uh, TCM mm-hmm. really, you know, they, they'll do those first run. They'll, they'll take an old movie and they'll put it in the theater. Right. Uh, and they did planet of the apes last summer and before it. Uh, ben Mankiewicz interviewed Dr. Zayas, mm-hmm. and it was me. <laughs> and I went to see it here in Atlanta. Oh, wow. It, I was down here shooting. Uh-huh. And to Where s- was it? At the Fox? I forget where it was. Okay. But it was, yeah, it was some, it was in, you know, it's a limited, I had to go out and find this theater. But right. I was by myself, sitting in a, sitting in a theater with a bunch of people. Watching myself on screen uh-huh. in Dr. Zayas makeup, which, <laughs> but knowing that people around me like I want to go. That's me. Like, like they would yeah. know that it was me. I it was, it was a very weird, yeah, uh, yeah. moment. Um, Do you I, own that costume? No, it's all. It's a guy named Andy Schoenberg who works no. at K and B Effects. It's too bad. But I was uh, I was friends with Myla Nermi, who was Vampira uh-huh. in the fifties and in Plan Nine from Outer Space. Yeah. And I remember I took her to see Plan Nine from Outer Space at the Cinerama Dome mm-hmm. in Los Angeles on Halloween in '99 or. 98 and she's an old lady then 
And we sat there in the theater. It was, it was full or close to full. And Vampira came on and everybody applauded. And uh, and she just went, oh, there she is. <laughs> Which I thought was really sweet. That's great. Yeah, it was a great moment. All right. Thanks a lot, Dana Gould. Hey, man, thank you so much. I, this was great. Thanks. A lot of fun. Yeah. Let's put our pants on. <laughs> I got to say, everyone, that was pretty awesome. Uh, Dana Gould is is really great. What a nice guy. Uh, very warm, friendly dude. And uh, we had never met, but uh, I felt like um, I felt like I'd known him before somehow. Um, he just has a very nice ease about him when you talk to him. Uh, very good guy. And his insights on Planet of the Apes uh, was exactly what I was hoping for which is uh, we really nerded out on it. And he was able to indulge me talking about The Simpsons a little bit. Because let's face it, when you get a writer of The Simpsons in here, uh, you, in, a, in your me, then you kind of have to do that. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, we will see you next week. And until next time, put those 3D glasses away because movies are better in 2D. Movie Crush is produced, edited, engineered, and scored by Noel Brown from our podcast studio at Pond City Market, Atlanta, Georgia. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton Tim, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd.